Ever wonder why 95% of leads do not convert? Why cold call rates are down and prospects don't open our emails? Why our responses of robocalls and implanting pixels to track user interaction, mostly without permission, is backfiring spectacularly? Well, that's what we intend to find out here in the Buyerside Chat podcast. There are scores of podcasts about selling, but most miss the shift that has come upon the buying selling process. The initiative has since moved from the supply to the demand side. The Buyer Side Chat, your podcast of record for B2B buying, talks to actual buyers, persons, not personas, in the quest to understand the real buyer's journey, their trials and tribulations, challenges and outcomes they're striving for. Welcome to the Buyer Side Chat. Thank you for your time and for joining us in this session. I have a favor to ask. While you continue to listen to the podcast, please leave a comment or rating at iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts from. I personally look at each comment and will give you a shout out to each of you in our following episodes. It means a lot to hear from you. Just a quick intro to Pitchlink. Time and again when I ask sales leaders what keeps them up at night, they say, my message. Dig a bit deeper, they're all aware that every time a narrative is presented by a salesperson, it is different. The most accurate presentations are from the top-rated sales folks, but for the rest, it's all over the place. Crafted narratives can remain exactly the same while individual salesperson personalize it for individual prospects, down to the exact opening welcome introductory message, exact every time, yet personalized to the individual company and its executives. Sounds impossible? Well, just ask us and we'll show you how you can do it with PitchLink, time after time. Want to know more? Sign up for a free one-on-one session. Now, on to our guest for today. Today, we have with us Helen McKenzie, founder of Vladcat Enterprises Limited, a management consultancy delivering projects in the highlands and islands of Scotland to one with a global reach focused on procurement. I think if we look back uh, 10 years to um, buyers at that point, um, when I first came into the function, um, very functional, very transactional, very process-driven. Um, and I think, you know, obviously that underpins everything we do. That that side of things hasn't gone away. But I think technology and also the expectation of the business for us as a, as a function to add value has changed. You know, we're no longer seen as something that's just about putting a contract in place. Helen McKenzie is a former public sector CPO with over a decade's experience of procurement. Her pioneering work to put communities at the heart of procurement process has received international recognition. Until the summer of 2021, Helen was the principal advisor at the global procurement and supply chain network, Procurious. Helen is currently working to support the development of social procurement to leverage the power of social networks and make a positive impact on the relationship between buyers and suppliers. Now, onto this insightful conversation with Helen McKinsey. Helen, uh, welcome to the show. I am uh, so glad that we could uh, manage our uh, time across time zones and and, uh, we are talking to each other. Welcome. Thanks very much. I'm delighted to be here. Helen, before we get into the actual conversation, why don't you tell us a bit about the work you have been doing, the vast experience you have gathered around procurement and what is your current uh, uh, areas of focus. 
Okay, well, I I didn't come to procurement uh, initially. I was an accountant, so I was somebody that was good at maths, and I did that for a while. Um, but you know, procurement's really interesting because it combines that sort of financial side of things with some real opportunities to be creative. So um, when I had the opportunity um, over a decade ago now to get into procurement, to lead a procurement section, I was delighted to get my hands on it and get going. So I was uh, a chief procurement officer in government for um, just under a, a decade. And then for the last two years, up until the beginning of the summer, I was working with the global procurement and supply chain network Procurious, um, bringing together chief procurement officers across the piece, so from business and from government together, to talk about um, what we need to do to help our teams move forward um, and the changing landscape for procurement and that relationship between the buyer and supplier, which uh, we'll be covering today. So at the moment, I'm uh, just doing some work on some ideas that um, I've got around social procurements, um, and that's more using social media as a as a way to um, find suppliers and to do the procurement process rather than buying from social enterprises, which is what people sometimes call social procurement. And hopefully we might cover that in the discussion today. Um, so, yeah, that's where I am, just talking to lots of people about procurement. And it's something that I love doing and I love connecting people across the world um, with all sorts of different ideas and all sorts of uh, ways we can work together as a community. Excellent. This sets the tone for the discussion today very, very well, because you have seen in the last 12 odd years how the procurement process, the procurement professional and the seat that the procurement professional occupies in the in the organizational structure change and evolve. Right. So let's start with procurement itself. Do you think that the B2B buyer has changed? Well, I hope so, because I think if we look back uh, 10 years to um, buyers at that point, um, when I first came into the function, um, very functional, very transactional, very process driven. Um, and I think, you know, obviously that underpins everything we do, that that side of things hasn't gone away. But I think technology and also the expectation of the business for us as a, as a function to add value has changed. We've needed to change how we are to move out of that uh, very sort of narrow role into something that is a lot more impactful across the business than is, is involved in a lot more than you know, delivering savings and managing risk. So, yeah, I have seen it change. And I think a really interesting example of that is about how, you know, we're no longer seen as something that's just about putting a contract in place. Um, if you think about somebody who used to buy uniforms for a, for a business, so um, interesting um, story I heard once was about um, – a, a buyer that would used to be a supplier once a year um, to have a cup of coffee to get that supplier's you know calendar or free piece of uh, of get a diary and to renew the contract that they had for uniforms in the business. Now, 
you know, these days that relationship is not just about the uniforms, you know, making sure they're the right colour, making sure they're delivered on time and in the sizes that we need. It's also about the supply chain. You know, mm. where were those uniforms made? You know, were they in good, uh, good working practices? Was the materials or were the materials that we use for the uniforms sustainable? And are we convinced that there's no modern slavery in that supply chain that's going to come back and bite our business, you know, in terms of reputational damage? So hmm. moving from something that was a very, you know, functional transaction uh, which was about price and about mm. availability through to something that, you know, really morphs into meeting all those objectives for the business and not just that. So, you know, that's a really good example of how, how the functions changed for something fairly straightforward. Very true. So essentially what, what, you, what you're saying and what I'm hearing is that while initially or maybe 10 15 years back, the objective was to get the best price for whatever goods you are trying to procure. Now it has moved to a larger objective, which is not only the outcome that that good is supposed to deliver, but the outcome with reputation, with values, uh, and and so on. So, so all the all the things about modern slavery or procurement, you know, whether whether it is coming from sources which are vetted and so on and so forth. Uh, all point towards values which are sort of intangible getting accounted for more uh, aggressively today than it was ever before. Yes, I think so. And, that, you know, that's because, you know, things like social media are now here. So, you know, the minute there's something that happens that's that's not great, um, you know, a business people will be tweeting about it. It mm. will be, you know, on Facebook, and and businesses are very aware of that. Organisations are very aware of that. So, where in, in the past, perhaps there would have been a lag, and actually, mm. potentially, a, a public relations department would have had the opportunity to try and manage how that story came out in the media. You know, now it's so instantaneous that that risk and the mitigation uh, measures are, 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 you know, are totally different. And so, you know, that means procurement are are right up there in terms of having the responsibility to have those um, those measures in place. So, yeah, I think it has it has changed, um, and that's part of the, the change in society as much as anything, as much as businesses, you know having more of a conscience or being more, you know, mindful of the impact that they're having, which they do, I think it does start with that um, that ability for these things to be communicated very quickly and to have an impact um, almost instantaneously. So, so essentially what we are talking of is that social media, which means participation of the end consumer, into the process, ability and access to information and so on, is actually putting pressure on not only the buyer, because the buyer now has to think about his or her end customer, but even the vendor who is part of this chain to be more accountable and transparent. I think, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, if we look at COVID, it's not just a negative um, you know, it's just a negative connotation. It's also about, you know, the ability to 
to look down the supply chain and to be aware of risks, to be able to respond and react quickly, that that, that expectation is there around that as much as it is around managing reputational risk. So, so yes, I think, I think so. Um, that's not to say social media doesn't have its opportunities. And, you know, hopefully we can talk about that as, as the conversation emerges. But I do think it's that always on, always visible, um, just era that we live in that's really put the spotlight on some of these issues. Sure. So I have some questions, but let's let's uh, dig a bit about social procurement, which uh, which which you are quite passionate about. Uh, so, so so tell me, what are you seeing the impact in, in terms of the procurement process itself from social media? Okay. Well, I think it's it's in terms of the positive things that I'm seeing. I think it's a real opportunity to sort of get up and up close and personal with potential suppliers. And I mean, if we think about the past, you know, if I was a category manager, how would I find out about suppliers that I might uh, put contracts in place with for the business? Well, I might go to uh, a trade show. I might, you know, I might go to Mm. something like that. I might look in the magazines and see who was there. Um, And as the thing developed, I might advertise that I was looking for for something. I might put an advert in a trade journal. I might use an advertising portal. In the public sector, we we use that to advertise that we're looking for suppliers. I might do a Google search. I might say, well, tell me all the suppliers in, I don't know, video recording of podcasts. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd do a Google search and I'd have a look. But now there's a real potential to sort of get the two-way interaction going around that relationship, and social media allows us to do that. So um, LinkedIn is the platform, really, for that to be happening. Um, I, as a buyer, can be on LinkedIn. I can be talking about uh, you know, the challenges I might have in the business, what I might be working on at the time, what the issues are for the organization I work for. And potential suppliers can connect with me and start talking to me. Now, that might be, in a sense, um, you know, quite high level in a sense of it might be just about, um, I don't know, what I did at the weekend or, you know, an inspirational quote that we both like or, um, you know, something that somebody else is doing in the space that we find, inspir- in, you know, inspiring or interesting. But what we're doing there is we're starting to get to know people virtually and we can understand whether these are the sorts of people that actually we think we might want to do business with mm. or these are the sorts of people that have got new ideas or are being innovative that we, you know, we might want to put contracts in place with. And so when the time comes for me to source a requirement, I've either, I'm either doing it uh, with an RFP and I'm going out there and I can include those people or those suppliers in, in, the, in the group of people I invite to come and, and submit a proposal, or I can actually go directly to them and say, that's really interesting. I think this is something that we'd like to, buy into and buy from you let's have a conversation and let's see if we can put a contract in place so you're starting to 
get those personal relationships out there. And at the end of the day, you know, contracts are agreements between human beings and other human beings. They're organisations and organisations, but it's human beings working together. And if we've got suppliers who we've got that connection with, you know, how much easier is it to do the contract management with them when they're people that we're, we're aligned with? How much is it easier is it to work with them when things need um, collaboration like a pandemic or like a supply chain issue where something's, something's not coming through when it should do and we need to work around the problem or we need to, you know, think of ideas to get through something? Um, than people that we've got that connection with. So I I really see it as um, a way to humanise procurement more, that buyer-supplier relationship. And it really plays into, you know, a lot of thinking around things like uh, alliance contracting and win-win type contracts and all that sort of um, thinking that's at at the sort of more innovative end of procurement that we can be working towards ultimately because technologies um you know technology and and buying you know marketplace platforms and and things like that are sort of doing the doing the work around that low value spend where we just need to you know get allow people to buy um and this is where we can really get into how we're going to add value as as procurement by finding those suppliers and bringing them into the business and having great relationships with them. So one of the biggest challenges of social media is that the relationships seem to be flaky, right? They're They're never deep by definition. But what I hear you say is that there is an opportunity there both for the procurement professional and the vendors to engage in in deep, meaningful relationship building, not thinking of this quarter's quota. Does does that make sense? Yes, and I think, um, you know, the way that we in the past have um, managed the risk of that lack of trust is through you know, contracts that, that that try to legislate for every eventuality or terms and conditions that run to 120 pages, you know, insurance requirements for suppliers that are onerous and over the top. Um, so, yes, on the one hand, yes, initially, uh, the relationship is flaky. I mean, you and I don't know each other that well, do we, sure. in the sense that I'm you're trusting me to come on your podcast and and uh, and and not talk a load of rubbish, and I'm <laughs> trusting you not to use what I say to you to you in a way that's going to damage my reputation. But I think that what social media um, has the potential to do, and you know that's um, what we we do in, in we were doing in when I worked for Procurus in terms of the discussions and the the webinars and and the events that they that, that Procurus has, but also you know on somewhere like LinkedIn where we can over time have some quite in depth conversations as part of a post and a thread of discussion where we can start to really dig into ideas about what people think about developing things and I'm seeing that starting to happen there more and more um, as people 
um, connect and also feel um, empowered to comment. And that's the difference between the professional networks and somewhere like Twitter, although Twitter's a great place to have a have yes. a chat. It can very easily sort of degenerate into quite polarized views on things just because of that that's the way it is is on there which is a is a shame but that's the way it is because i do you know i love twitter and i think it's a great place for a conversation but you don't find that as much on linkedin you don't find that you know as people are discussing things it polarizes if it does start to polarize you know people just start a new comment and off they go and that sort of that alleyway stays there and you know and and off off we go again with a discussion and i think there's it's it's a lot more respectful i think part of that is about on linkedin you you have an identity okay they're not verifying that we exist but you know most people have got a photograph up most people have got an employment history um so you've sort of got a context that this is a real person it's not a bot um, people's business reputations are made uh, on, on LinkedIn. So you've got that that credibility and that that lack of flakiness that you, you, you spoke about so that the trust and the conversations can come from that. So, you know, it's, it's a really interesting time to see how it, it develops. So, so to wrap up this part of the discussion, the biggest contribution of social networks and media and so on according to you is to help build the bridges and the relationships that the vendors and the buyers should have for a effective transaction yeah so vendors uh, vendors potential vendors and, and buyers so it's about it's about not only me and you when we've got a contract but me and you when you could be a supplier in the future or you might have something innovative to tell me about in 2 years time mm. so it, it it's that certainly that in the buyer supplier relationship mm. yes i mean obviously social media has a great role to play in procurement people supporting each other and and being sure. a collaborative community and sharing ideas. But in that buyer supply, yes, absolutely. Mm. I think you've articulated that really well for me in, in summary. It's time for a short break. Stay with us. After the break. So if you're a supplier of, of something that's traditionally tail spend, you know, it's easier. You just need to get your stuff up on a marketplace. You need to make sure your algorithm brings you to the top or, you know, and it's obviously that's quite competitive around price. So, you know, the 20-person committee is not going to apply to you there. You are listening to a Business Podcast Network original. Podcasting is the fastest-growing content marketing opportunity, which is untapped. We can help you craft your audio strategy and help leverage the wide reach and easy streaming capability that the smartphone penetration provides. It is easy, it is powerful and personal. Talk to us to find out how podcasting can help you build your brand and reach out to your targets like never before. Write to us at bpn at bizcast.in That is bpn at b-i-z-c-a-s-t dot i-n Business Podcast Network. Podcasts end to end. Welcome back. I'm Shubhanjan Sarkar, your host for the Buyer Side Chat and founder of Pitchling, the buyer-seller engagement platform. 
let's dive right back into this episode from where we left it so let, let's sort of move on and and focus on how the buying process itself has evolved in the last 12 years i mean we all know that a decade or maybe two decades back lot of decisions could have been taken by one or two people from there uh, one of the latest reports i read it said that on an average today there are 11 people involved in the buying committee going up to 20 i'm i'm not saying that's the only change but that's something which is pretty much obvious that you're not selling to one person anymore you're really selling to a buying committee uh, so taking that as an example what are the changes that you see uh, that has taken place at the buyer end making it now very complex actually for the buying selling transaction to actually happen okay well i think i think it depends what you're selling and uh, t- to whom so um you know one of the one of the things that we've you know we've done as a procurement profession over the last 10 years is be a bit more discerning about the different types of things that we buy um you know we got our, our matrix and we talk about things like tail spend hmm. so you know for for the things that we buy like a like a pen uh, hmm. for instance you know that's 99 times out of 100 is is tail spend hmm. that's something that we'd potentially buy off a marketplace um or offer you know or, or just using a corporate credit card so mm. if you're a supplier of of something that's traditionally tail spend you know it's easier you just need to get your stuff up on a marketplace you need to make sure your algorithm brings you to the top or you know and it's obviously that's quite competitive around price so you know the 20 person committee's not going to apply to you there um where it does where it is potentially slower um will be around the around the fact that you know as i said earlier the 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 thought process and the decision making process for the buyer has moved away from it just being about cost you know when it's mm. cost i put it in a spreadsheet i rank you and whoever's the cheapest wins you know mm. voila and perhaps somebody has to sign that off that's that two person decision making when it's about when it's about more than um cost and it's about value um and it's about impact then that's where you know a, a wider group of people might get involved and um you know that's because some of the decision making around it is a value judgment rather than something that's very uh you know binary it's either right or wrong it's either true or false um and that's i suppose where where it comes comes to it um in terms of buying committees i mean i personally the only time i've ever presided over a decision where there were 20 people was where we were doing something innovative where we'd got a a group of people from the community doing the tender evaluation and we had a lot of people but generally speaking the decision making in my experience has been potentially four or five people and that's only been for transactions over a, or contracts over a certain value so it's proportionate there but i think it's because it's 
now about more than just cost. It's about value. It's about quality. And that's where a matter of opinion comes to comes to bear on it. So if it's slower, that's possibly more about people people's internal processes about mm-hmm. the ability to get those people together to make a decision perhaps the work from home pivot to every a lot more meetings like this going on means things could be quicker um but that strikes me as being more about a, an organization's corporate governance procedures than it is about a procurement process itself because so much more is is quicker with sourcing platforms and the ability to do a lot online and the ability to run auctions and things like that online means that these things are a lot quicker. So, yeah, but that would be my explanation of why things take longer. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So one one of the biggest reasons that things get slowed down is not because of the vendor, but because the consensus building process inside a buyer's organization has become more complex. Uh, and, and a lot of people have the have a voice in in that process and and all of mm-hmm. it has to be taken along because otherwise anything fa- and, and also because apparently the buyers want to ensure that everybody has a buy in into the decision so but so that nobody's singled out later that it's because of helen that we took this decision and now helen you are you're to be hanged out to dry because we followed your lead so nobody wants to be mm-hmm. there and and that's also potentially one of the one of the things that's emerging as we as we dig deeper into how buyers are buying. Yeah, I think the other thing is that don't, let's not forget that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, um, spend under management, which is, uh, you know, the amount of spend where procurement actually was was involved at all, hmm. um, wasn't as high as it is now. So, yeah. you know, bringing procurement into a process means thinking about more things so in the old, in the good old days when it was two people, you know, if I knew you and you, you know, bought me a nice hamper once a year, I'd give you the contract every year. But that might not be the, the best, the cheapest um, outcome for the best outcome for the company. But that's how we did business. Whereas bringing procurement in makes stakeholders think about more than just price um, means we need a process to think about more than just price, and um, you know it's it's not as quick as as the you know I'll give you a present a present at, at Christmas and you'll give me the contract. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I think there's there's a there's a bit of that about the good old days that we we like to forget. It's not necessarily that procurement being in, is being involved now because we can add value, but adding value. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean there are less steps in a process. It means there are a few more steps, but actually the adding value bit, managing risks a big, is a big thing. As back, right back to the beginning of the conversation about reputational risk or managing risk with a 120-page contract or not managing risk at all and keeping our fingers crossed. Um, mm. You know, these are all things that just take a little bit more time in the process, don't they? Um, mm. Yeah. What are the other changes that you are that, that that you see that has come about in the in the buying process? I think there's. I mean, I like to think about the sort of the high end stuff. You know, we talked a little bit about technology and 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 all of that. But you know, in terms of um, things like co creation, so going out 
into the marketplace, uh, working with suppliers to co-create um, the result that we want to see. Um, an example of that is, um, you know, if I'm a food company, um, I want to use more uh, recycled plastic in my packaging or, or different packaging even. I go out to the market. Uh, there's there's nothing there. Um, you know, I, I need to go and uh, I've got demand. There's no supply. So I might work with a supplier. I don't want to get into the business of manufacturing packaging. So I might work with a supplier to co-create the result I'm wanting to see. So I think that's a really interesting development of the buying process where yes. uh, we're working together to do that. You know, that's something that I've done in my um, in my previous role where we wanted to um, we wanted a transport system that would be available on demand for people without cars. Now, how we did that was to work with the transport provider to co-create a service, a demand-led transport service um, for people that needed it. So we didn't quite know what we wanted to do at the time. We got them involved. We co-created a, a great service for people. So it's something around that that's quite interesting around the buying process where you're not, mm. you know the outcome that you want to achieve. You know, the business is pushing you to do that. Back to my packaging, the business is pushing you to do that. People don't want brand new plastic on, you know, the climate emergency, we've got to do stuff, but we've got to actually go and shape the market. And I think that that's, mm. that's really, really good. And I think in the past, in the old fashioned way of buying, you know, we might have tried to put that in terms and conditions somehow or gone to the market with something and say, well, you've got to, you know, you've got to have this percentage of it recycled. And, and we'd have just had nobody able to do that. But by working with a supplier, by having a, a program of, of working towards that, about working together to, to, to develop something, you know, that's much more mm. profitable. So that's that's a really interesting way that, that buying things has developed. What is told is that a buyer's own buying process, the journey of first getting a consensus that a change is required and the fact that the organization itself cannot do it, which means they have to go out and source the solution. All of that process, the initial research and so on and so forth, 50 to 70%, depending upon which study you are looking at, of that journey is over, right? Uh, by the time they start, uh, engaging with potential vendors. However, to every sales leader I talk to, every procurement professional I talk to, like, like sort of what I can relate to what you are saying also today, is that the earlier you're in a relationship, the better visibility or potential to have a seat at the table is for a vendor. How does a vendor get into a relationship early in the game? What's the process? Okay, well, I, I think that that's, you know, that's where I'm talking about social, social media is a great way to start. You know, one of the things that chief procurement officers um, say um, in, in, you know, all the, all the uh, studies we read or all the conversations that I've had is that procurement people, the procurement people they want in their teams now not only have to have that commercial bedrock of skills, um, 
but also need to be out there being curious, being interested, looking for ideas, being engaged, because such a vital role to serve that back into the business. So in a sense, for suppliers, um, procurement people should be open to conversations already. Now, obviously, that's a transition in procurement that we're we're on the road to making between the sort of old, the old ways of, of having a process of turning a handle of doing a sourcing excellent manager contract through to being imaginative and interested people um, in the in the marketplace. But I think that that, you know, in, in a sense, the door is 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 open. But the way that suppliers need to approach buyers is not by you know, the minute somebody's connected with them, trying to sell them something. Yeah. It's about relationship. But back to what I said, it's about – so I've got something that I want to sell you. You've connected with me on LinkedIn because you're somebody that likes connections and networking. I just need to talk about or be – you know, you might post something. I need to be interested in that. I need to say, well, that's really interesting – um, we we're looking at that in this, or I've you know I've come across that, and so when the time comes to sell or to present what you've got, you've got the relationship. But the worst thing ever that a seller can do, or that a salesperson can do, is the minute somebody connects with them, try and sell them something. And I'm <laughs> afraid a lot of people do that. Um, I'm usually polite and say, I'm sorry, I'm not buying just now. But actually, you know, I think that's the way. So I think, you know, and if a, if you approach a procurement person and they don't want to connect, okay, fair enough. Move on to the next potential yeah. customer that you might have. You know, not everybody is at the same um, part of their sort of procurement evolutionary journey. Sure. Not every organization, not every CPO is that way inclined that's going to be encouraging people. But uh, that would be my advice. But please, please, please don't immediately sell to somebody the minute they've... Because, you know, if I was on this and I was, I don't know, selling procurement consultancy, you know, the last thing I should have done the minute you started the podcast was was advertise my business. You know, that's, hmm. that's not what, what I'm about or you're about. So... Yeah. That would be my advice. But those early relationships, and back to the point you made about change, you know, that mm. you're in the business as a procurement person, you've made the case that change is required. How do you know that? Well, you only know that as a procurement person because you've you've discovered a supplier that does something different or you understand that there's at least six suppliers that might bid for something and that creates competition you only know that because of the intel you've got from the from your knowledge of the marketplace, and you're only getting that from you know all, all that all those connections and all that all that information that you've got that's going to help you make the business case to make the change. And how much more powerful in the business if you're basing that on lots of understanding of the market, and that comes from those relationships and uh, knowing all these suppliers. The Buyer Site Chat is brought to you by Pitchlink, the buyer-seller engagement platform. Pitchlink enables high-quality interactions between buyers and sellers through presentation and discussion modules. 
Sellers create personalized sales presentations and reach out to prospects through a non-intrusive, buyer-qualified engagement. PitchLink requires no installation or download and holds the entire repository of sales collaterals and buyer-seller conversation. Talk to us to know more about how you can engage with customers without intrusion. Call us on 650-847-5884. That is 650-847-5884. Helen, it has uh, been really nice uh, speaking with you. I, I think it's a great start. And and I'm very, very intrigued with your idea of social procurement. And uh, I, would, I would love to follow the story that you are going to sort of write now as you go along your your new journey. And and keep me keep me in the loop. And I'll, I would love to, you know, circle back in a few months and see how this is going and how the thoughts are evolving. So So the objective of the podcast is to really be forward looking we are not trying to do any tactical advisory we are just we are, we are trying to build the knowledge base where people can come and dip into and see what's going on and i think it would be great to continue our dialogue yes and if people want to connect on linkedin with you and with me here we are and uh, let's keep the conversation going absolutely helen thank you so much we have a fantastic lineup over the next couple of episodes featuring great conversations unraveling in depth how the real buyers buy. Stay tuned. Thank you for being with us today on the Buyer Side Chat. This is the podcast of record for the Buyer Side Journey. And those who know, that's the journey that matters. We hope this conversation helped you with insights that you can go and apply right now to your own value transaction process. See you in the next episode of the Buyer Side Chat. 